if you're someone who likes to have a book you can scribble all over, do activities, go away and practice, you're going to get huge amounts from this book as a leader. And welcome to another episode of Experiential Spark, the podcast. In this episode, Marluca and I talk about a book that we both absolutely loved called The Leader Lab by Tanya Luna and Leanne Reininger, also known as the co-founders of Life Labs Learning. The Leader Lab is all about becoming a great leader faster. It's a high-speed leadership intensive, equipping managers and execs with the Swiss army knife of skills to handle some of the toughest situations. It's an ideal book for folks who are promoted to a manager role and need a high-impact toolkit to excel quickly, as well as for experienced leaders looking to up their game and make a bigger impact. So the book is actually split in two parts. And I think the main reason why we love it so, so much is because it's mega practical. Everything we try to do with this podcast is actually to make books very practical for you so that you can experiment with it yourself, try things out. And I think this book is like how we envision our podcast to be. So the two parts that the book is based on is actually the first half of it focuses on a foundational set of behavioral units. In short, they call it BUs. And well, you wonder what is a behavioral unit? Well, this is actually a very small behavior that you can simply just observe. And you may not actually be aware of those behaviors, but once you know about them, you will spot them and you will start to work with them. There are seven foundational BUs that they uh, discuss in the book. Today, we will only go through two. The second part of the book is actually around eight core skills that they've defined. And then you wonder, well, what's a core skill compared to a behavioral unit? Well, actually, if you string different BUs together, mix it with, for example, certain tools, then that forms a skill. And also today we will discuss two of those core skills. There are eight discussed in the book. Right. So behavioral units. The two that we wanted to discuss with you today are deblurring and pausing. And yes, they use sometimes quite interesting words for their BUs mostly, but what are those? So when we look at deblurring, it is actually around how in any form of communication, written, oral, whatever, there are often words used that can have a different interpretation. Mm. And deblurring is the behavior of turning ambiguous words into information that everybody understands. The upside of de-blurring is actually that it prevents miscommunication, as you can imagine, um, and it improves feedback and decision-making with doing that. So the reason why I wanted to discuss the blurring today is because it actually really inspired me to start to experiment with. And not necessarily in a conversation with people, but because it's actually very easy to experiment with in emails. 
Because an email is a moment in itself. It doesn't require an immediate reaction, right? So you get, you get to have time to actually either reread what you've just wrote yourself or actually read what someone else reads and like be a little bit mindful of, do I actually understand what I wrote or what somebody else wrote? How do I interpret this? And is there any other way I can interpret whatever is on the paper here? So I thought that was an easy way to start, which I started doing. And there are a few sample questions that uh, are written in the book that may actually help you, uh, either when looking at a written text or in conversation, to try to see and understand, do we need to deplur some words here? And in a conversation, you might ask someone, well, what does word X mean to you? Mm -hmm. Just to understand, are we having the same interpretation? Yes or no. So, for example, an example that they gave in the book as well is when you are in a recruitment process and you provide feedback after a couple of interviews with the team that you are interviewing with. And someone said, well, actually, the other candidate was more qualified. Well, what does more qualified mean? Mm. A, what is qualified? How do you interpret qualified? How do you define qualified? But then also, what is more? Define more. And these two words, more qualified, I think are a combination of words that we easily use. And we are not very mindful of the fact that we can actually interpret this very differently. And it's easy when you hear that to go, oh, right, okay, yeah, sure. So they're more qualified, done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But then what if you are the person to provide the yeah. feedback to that candidate exactly. and to say, well, the others are more qualified. I mean, how often do you get that feedback in the recruitment process, <laughs> right? Well, there's not much to learn from, right? So this is an excellent opportunity to yeah. de-blur some words. Uh, some other questions are, can you share an example? Or as we just said, what's your definition of? Um, how would we measure that? How would we know we've succeeded? So these are all type of questions that can help to de-blur some of the words. Uh, another word that I think I use quite frequently is good. What does good mean? Mm. Can you define good? So I would yeah. really... Good, good job. What does good job mean? And exactly. as a piece of feedback, or as I like to use now, feed forward. So how do we help pe- drive people forward with the kind of what we offer what does good mean and how is that how was i good what was good about that exactly. so that i can replicate in the future exactly so here you could definitely say well can you share an example of what was good mm. so i would say start to experiment mm. with first your own written communication or whatever written communication is in because it allows to give you some time to think about it and think through and literally you can just underscore the words that you think may require some deblurring and even if you send that email out feel free to reach out to someone to say well actually i've just sent this email what did you take from it how did you interpret this word? Like you can actually have a conversation with mm-hmm. someone to get some feedback on that. Um, and definitely as a leader, when you are in many conversations, but also if you are in a conversation yourself with your leader, be mindful of it and start to deblur. So whenever you are in conversation, start to ask those questions. And maybe 
leading also to the second behavioral unit that we're going to discuss. Take a pause. Be silent for a few seconds and think (laughs) through what have I just said? And is that actually clear or need I come back to that? So exactly. And I think de-blurring is such a simple concept, but in a company that runs really fast and is Mm -hmm. driven by pace, both de-blurring and pause, as Marluk is going to come on to talk about in in a moment, are both hard to achieve and the enemy of great work. Yeah. Because you end up misaligned, having to rework, having to do something, unwinding something. Yeah. And I've really found that when I've gone too fast, that's when I've become unstuck. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to experiment with asking the question, what do you really mean? Have I really understood? Are we on the same page before I go at pace? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And even though de-blurring sounds very simple it is very hard because you don't often are aware of all the blurred words that you use on a very regular basis so it's it will ask for some good self-reflection as well Uh, and also to indeed take the time to be mindful of what's coming your way and asking questions yeah the second behavioral unit that we want to discuss today is pausing and as the word implies pausing is doing nothing and we are very well able to do nothing right claire no what no (laughs) terrible (laughs) but as we all know there is a well there are great upsides of actually doing nothing so Uh, It creates sustained productivity, how weird that may sound and total opposite, but it does. Uh, It sparks innovation and it resolves conflict. So it's actually a great behavioral unit to practice with. And aspire to. And aspire to, to, mostly, (laughs) yeah. Um, So we know it's important. We know pausing is important, yet we never or hardly do it. So definitely, again, as a leader, this is an important behavioral unit to practice with as well and in the book they actually discuss three types of pausing three levels i maybe rather say micro meso and macro so what does that mean on a micro level a pause it's like a few seconds or maybe a few minutes even and that can be that moment before you answer a question you just take a pause for you to either think about the answer Or maybe if you are a leader, you maybe hope that someone will give you some more input. So you take a pause. Doesn't take too long, a few seconds, a few minutes maybe. Then on a meso level, this is around pausing for one or more hours. So here you can actually think about, I'm taking an hour to go to the gym. It's a pause. Or I'm going to take an hour or two to reflect on my goals for this quarter. Or I am designing a team day and I'm stuck and I'm going to walk away and I'm going to leave it for the rest of the day and I'm going to come back tomorrow to look at it again. Yeah. This is pausing on a meso level. And then on a macro level, this is really pausing for one or more days. So it's like longer chunks of time. Uh, think about going on a holiday. 
but also taking a day at the end of the year, for example, to reflect on the year that you've just had, looking ahead at the year for that you might want to take some more time. And the interesting thing is, I think I've started to do this more and more, especially at work, in terms of creating blocks in my agenda to start to do those things. So I have a block in my agenda of about, I think, two hours on a Friday, which I call development. I've planned this so that I can do no work and just work on my development. I must be honest, I've never used this block for my (laughs) development. (laughs) What I also do is every day between 12 and 1, classic, my agenda is blocked for lunch. This I'm very strict on. Mm. So I've been very strict. I started my new role in January with my manager between 12 and 1, I have lunch. She often would have meetings around that and be free between 12 and 1 because then a lot of people are at lunch. So she would be like, can we have a call? And I would be like, nope, I'm having lunch. By now, she usually calls me at 11.30 to say, or like (laughs) 11, to say, hey, I want to discuss something with you. I know you want to have lunch at 12, but this is my only time I can actually talk to you. Would you mind going for lunch a little bit earlier or later so that we can have this discussion? Amazing. Because it allows me to still have lunch, to still have that moment to pause and reflect and also still have a discussion with her. So I also find that even though it's very difficult to do, you need to be very disciplined. Yeah. But when you do and when you are, it actually is very helpful to do it. And... This is on a very small level. So here I'm more talking about the meso level. Um, And then maybe on a macro level, as an example that I did is, I wanted to spend time on our podcast. So I decided to go work less hours so that I have a free day every week that I can read, look up stuff, edit an episode. Anything like that, but like really taking a day to just be creative. Now I also go to the hairdresser and like go shopping and like do laundry. There are loads of other stuff, but in essence, that was what this day was planned for. How do you use the concept or the behavioral unit of pausing? (laughs) Uh, Badly. (laughs) Um, I think let's let's be honest. Badly. What are things that I've experimented with and do I continue to experiment with to try and make this better uh, for me? So the first thing is I bought a chair. So in the book, it talks about having a rhythm and a routine to your pauses and some uh, super leader bought a special chair. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to have a special chair. So far, the cat uses it more than I do and I have to sit on the floor should I want to reflect on the special chair. So that's not working out quite as I intended. (laughs) But, you know, baby steps. Um, The second thing that I experiment with, um, as you guys know, I'm running the London Marathon in October. So the exercise is a big element for me. And I've been experimenting with what I run to 
to help create that reflection time for me. So do I do it for simply for joy, in which case I listen to music? Do I do it because I want to think about something different and be transported to a different world, in which case I listen to a podcast or an audiobook? Or do I want to use it as a reflection moment, in which case I run to uh, an audio coach, which kind of gives you different head starts, their course, so different prompts to think about your day or your running or your friends or your family or whatever it might be. Um, and then something that I really want to work out and just need to have the wonderful discipline, Maluka, that you've described <laughs> uh, about your lunch break is I'd really love to find a way that once a week and probably on a Friday morning, I can work from a cafe for just a couple of hours mm. because I love nothing more than an indulgent rich coffee, overpriced, sure, um, and sitting in a cafe and thinking about work and just getting on with some stuff. So maybe it's not a pause away from work, but mm. a pause from my environment to be creative in a different way. Yeah. But maybe that's also like how we should be in the experimentation more focused on step by step so rather than going from full-on busyness to doing absolutely nothing to Mm. just start to block some time and be really focused in what you're going to do in that space that is not the regular day-to-day and then from there move more and more into longer pauses where you actually do nothing and where you can think and be creative and just let your mind wander to places where it gets new ideas etc and the innovation that it mentioned is one of the upsides of doing nothing so baby steps as with everything right (laughs) absolutely absolutely so these are two of the behavioral units described in the book Um, as mentioned the second half of the book focuses on core skills where you would actually start to combine some of those behavioral units so whether that's deblurring and pausing or any of the other behavioral units that they mention we could have picked any one of the eight to talk about we've decided to pick coaching skills and people development because those were two that really resonated with me and things that I've been thinking about for work recently as well So coaching probably is no surprise to anyone listening. It's really seen as a great foundation of, you know, leadership. Um, Although we all know coaching's application is much wider, negotiating, influencing, working with others, getting your husband to do what you want to do. Sorry, Tom. Um, And really think about, probably should have admitted that out loud. Um, um, And coaching coaching, um, can be, you know, we think about the sports coach or whatever, but actually... I like to think about it in two ways that I've heard of recently. So one is think of it as product development with you as the product. Mm -hmm. And also think of as a leader, think about using coaching to create a space or a moment for someone in your team to find new momentum that comes from within. So that's really around coaching and it's helping people to develop themselves to deliver those new results. Um, and maybe and can what? I add one thing before you go for me coaching is also freeing whatever is already inside yourself mm. like you usually have the answers to something or you have the ideas it's just around asking a certain question that will enable you to go I think the language of freeing an idea from someone and enabling them to discover 
what they already have within them is completely what coaching is about as a leader you can then unlock that for someone yeah and i think the book describes kind of three scenarios that if they sound familiar to you as a leader then perhaps coaching would really help you so what are those three scenarios so one of them is getting lots of quick questions from your team that you immediately need to answer before they can move on um so they're always coming to you to check in on stuff that really they have the authority or the capability to deliver themselves another scenario is the team doesn't take its initiative it doesn't propose ideas or make decisions without you or you simply avoid delegating because you don't trust what's going to come back to you or you just end up redoing it anyway so if any of those three scenarios sound familiar then coaching could be a a kind of core skill you could explore developing for yourself and I think we often talk about coaching being this big dedicated 90 minute two hour conversation I must use the grow model or I must use this model or whatever it might be and actually I think it's much more important as I said about a moment in time and even just simply asking a question and the book describes again four c's of coaching moments or red flags or perhaps not red flags just flags of when hang on a minute could I use some coaching to help my team member unlock the answer within them so the first one is a conundrum or a dilemma so if someone is asking you what should I do but you know that they actually already know and they have the ability to do it or perhaps this is an opportunity for them to practice something then rather than telling them the answer can you ask them a coaching question like well what do you think I would do in this situation or what have you done before that might help you here um a complaint so if someone is complaining to you about a situation or a person again rather than giving them the answer ask them a coaching question what would a good outcome look like for you Um, who else could you speak to to help you resolve this to start kind of again getting them to think differently and then confidence as well so confidence is another opportunity for you to coach when someone is lacking confidence and it can stop them making a decision so rather than telling them what you would do why not ask them what could really help you make this decision um or what's holding you back from making this decision and can you coach them through that that moment to help them unlock that and then the last one which i really thought was a nice uh opportunity for coaching that i don't think we often think about because we spend our time thinking that coaching must be to resolve something Mm. but actually coaching is a moment to unlock learning I guess and so Mm. when someone has completed so upon completion when someone's completed or reached a goal or a project it's a great coaching moment to go tell me what you learned through doing that how uh like what are you most proud of what surprised you about yourself through that process so can you unlock that learning for someone so that they can go through the learning cycle in their minds so that they've got that within them to to move forward on as well we need to take a pause to reflect absolutely building on that completion um coaching It's something that I have actually started to try and do with new joiners. Mm. Uh, So I definitely find confidence can be low in new joiners. And so um, I try and get them to recognize, okay, cool. Well, you've been here now for three months. Tell me something you can do today that you couldn't do three months ago. 
um, tell me something that you have learned along the way, you know, and, and by coaching them, rather than me telling them, hey, guess what, you can do all of these things now, they start to realise the progress that they have made. And it's it's helping to build their confidence, especially for people who joined during COVID and have found it really tough. So yes, absolutely, it's been really tough. But tell me what impact you have had and what are you most proud of since you've joined? All of those sorts of coaching questions. Again, it draws out of the person in front of you gets them to think and reframe what they've delivered yeah exactly really nice i think i use this a lot as well when uh, we were both in Caracas leading teams mm. uh, when they would come indeed with questions on how can i best handle this question or what should i do or i don't know how to handle this to really sit down and not giving them the immediate ac- uh, answer but really through questions letting them answer it themselves um think I was known for asking too many questions but and I think that approach to asking questions and getting people to think really links to the second core skill that we want to talk about which is people development and we all know that having a sense of being able to develop to express to show mastery is linked to great engagement at work and then great engagement leads to great productivity great contribution Um, So it's really important that we give people the space to develop. But I think it's something I see managers struggle with and employees, if I'm honest as well. It can be quite tough to come up with really meaningful development plans and ways to bring those to life. Um, So I like the way that the book kind of has this process or three-step approach to being a bit more strategic and deliberate in your development opportunities for your team so what are the three steps so the first one is to think about what are the business needs and ask yourself questions about the current state of your team so where might your team need more knowledge or skills or experience where do you struggle to back each other up when someone's on leave or are unable to start a particular piece of work because you can't delegate because no one has that skill yet. So what do you need right now? And then ask yourself, what might this organisation need in one to two years? What are the trends telling me? What do we need to to do to kind of future-proof ourselves and be ready for the inevitable change that the future world brings upon to us? So that's the first thing, what are the business needs? The second thing is, what are the individual needs? So now you need to think and ask your team members, what is it that gets them ticked? gets them motivated what makes them tick what do they love what do they hate what do they aspire to be what skills are they interested in developing for future opportunities what are the things that they definitely don't want to do Um, and really understand what is driving your individual uh, employee that's in front of you and then find the magic zone or as the book calls it the Venn zone so it's where the two circles overlap in a Venn diagram and it's that middle bit between well what's the business need and what's the individual need and is there something in that middle piece that is then a development opportunity for someone and this is where we've been working at our work around delegating meaningfully because if you're delegating a task that sits in that Venn zone Suddenly delegation isn't this dirty word that we sometimes think it is as about getting rid of something. Actually, what you're saying is the business really needs this and you kind of want to develop it too. So I'm really going to lean in and give you this piece of work and really help you develop those skills. 
So that's a really great thing to, to be able to think about. Um, we're also doing a piece of work uh, in some of our markets at the moment about uh, which is, is really kind of a different way of approaching this. And we have a phrase at work called, what are the jobs to be done? These are like, what are the big things we need to get done to, to make this business successful? So it might be a marketing campaign, a product launch, a negotiation. So we start with what are the jobs to be done? And then we go to our experts in the field and we ask them, what are the critical capabilities we need to deliver those jobs? So insight to innovation or critical thinking or whatever it might be. And then we go, where is the person at that is meant to be delivering that job to be done? Where are they strong and where do they need development and how can we provide that? So in that way, we're really targeting what the business need is and where the individual is at and how we can help them with on the job development because they're going to have to deliver that job to be done. So mm. how can we help them do that in the best way? So it's just another way of thinking about development mm. rather than just going, I want to be a leader. Oh, okay, well, why? And how can we create that experience <laughs> yeah. for you? What I find often is, especially when it comes to development uh, and whether that is then like content development or more like uh, soft skills or whatever like mm. it's it really comes down to as well how well equipped you are in terms of language so we talk about capabilities we talk about skills what mm. does that mean right what mm. what is it exactly that i need to write down as you say like i want to develop my leadership skills well what does that exactly mm. mean how do you go about that within the activities that you just described mm. in terms of getting for example business leads with you on that language now i know within hr it's it's quite common because we talk about it every day and then still it's quite a blur word uh, but how do you do that how do you see that happening around you for for leads themselves yeah so i think it's exactly in what you described right at the start it's in the de-blurring mm. so um let me try and think of a, a technical example so if we take innovation in an FMCG world, it's a really big thing. It's like saying mm. leadership. <laughs> um, so I think it's getting really clear on well, what is it that innovation needs to do? Or what is it about innovation that's important to you? So maybe it's asking your team member, what is it about leadership that's important to you? Mm -hmm. Who are the good leaders? What do they do that you want to do? Yeah. Okay. So if it's about new technology and innovation, or if it's about supply chain and innovation, or if it's about insight from consumer to innovation. Okay, so, so what is the capability? What is the thing you need to be good at to be able to do that? So for example, as a leader, I want to be able to influence really well. Okay, so to be able to influence, you probably need to be really good at communicating. You probably need to be really good at telling a story maybe data analysis, maybe relationship building. So can you get really specific about mm -hmm. what you need to do? So it's about de-blurring till you yeah. get down to that kind of point where you're like, okay, so it's data analysis. How do we help you get good at data analysis? Let's expose you to different types of data analysis or whatever it might be. Well, let's partner you up with someone who's good at this. Um, did I explain that well? Yeah, and, and my follow-up question would be, do you see that this happens 
let's say the act of deblurring mostly in conversation with someone like you, for example, or do you also see that leads mm. start to develop their own skill to be very clear of what they want to develop themselves? Mm, I think that we are on a journey mm -hmm. and there are some parts of our organization where we're much better at this than others. And I, I kind of mean functionally. So we're yeah. really good at this in marketing. We're really good at this in finance. We're not so good at this in commercial. We're getting better at it. Yeah. Probably not so good at in procurement or whatever it might be. So yeah. in some places, we have great frameworks to help us de-blur. Mm. And in other places, we don't. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's where it's easier in some places and harder in others. Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it will also depend on like the experience and the skill of the leads, right? You have people who are more... Um, naturally doing this uh, than others so definitely I would say that this is one to develop as a lead mm. when you think yourself that you may not be as good at this as, uh, as some mm. of the other parts of leadership yeah so that was our very quick highlights from the leader lab as Maluka said right at the beginning we cannot recommend this book high enough um, it's really practical If you're someone who likes to have a book you can scribble all over, do activities, go away and practice, you're going to get huge amounts from this book as a leader or as an HR support person, whatever functional role you are, supporting other leaders in their development. So go and have a look. You can also go and listen to the Leader Lab podcast, which is on Podbean and other podcast platforms that we also happen to use. And you can also check out their website, which has got loads of resources as well. So just go to Life Lab Learning and you'll find loads of stuff there. And if you have any questions for us or if you want to share your experiences, if you know the book and have worked with it before and you want to share how you uh, found the book, then please reach out to us. You can check us out on Instagram at experientialspark. Send us an email on experientialspark at gmail.com. Uh, or reach out to us via any other channel that's available to you or where you listen to our podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to hearing from you and we'll see each other soon. Bye. Bye.